Hello everyone, welcome back to Holistic Healing Space podcast. My name is Holly and I'm your host and today I've got a really special episode. It actually means a lot to me. I am chatting with my sister-in-law, Claire Ulick, who is a really amazing woman. She's an author, a transformational yoga instructor and a holistic counsellor. And in this very raw and deep episode, we discuss the messy process of trauma healing, shadow work emotional processing and transformation as we let go of who we thought we were to embrace the magic of who we came here to be. There's lots of juicy info in here for anybody on their healing journey and we hope you enjoy it and that you benefit from our chat. So welcome Claire. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. You're not only my sister-in-law but there's so many amazing things about you and what you're doing and what you've been through and the book that you've written, Women Transforming, which I'm really excited to talk about that today as well. Thanks Holly. It's amazing to be on your show because there's so many things that I wish we could record between our conversations um, and share. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, every time we have one of our deep turbo healing conversations I, I just wish it was something we could um we could share with the world yeah I guess we really meet on that level of healing and yeah so if I was, I was to introduce myself it's just depends on who I am today I <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so basically I've got a I've got an intention and I felt like growing up my needs weren't met in the way of transparent communication and people experiencing heavy emotions like that like feeling their emotions and then projecting them onto the world I had this thing when I was a child I could sort of feel the emotions so I used to say or sometimes say I would see people's emotions before I would see their face and love that yeah so what what I felt growing up was like I would feel what was going on for someone, but then be met with a very smiley face and it just didn't feel right. And, you know, I I identified passive aggressive behaviour very early on. I think that family members of mine, I won't say who, but I felt there was a lot of depression in my family, anxiety, and it was all covered up. And for me, that was the most detrimental thing because I felt it anyway. So yeah, I think from that pain, I always believe that your pain is your purpose in life. And from the pain of being denied okay. access to the knowledge of people's emotions, I've created a life now where I commit to knowing heavy emotions to communicating about them openly when I know about them. And yeah, and just getting that out in the world that that life's not just a, a big pretty rainbow. It's, you know, there's there's hard things to get through and emotions are heavy. And I don't believe that I, well, I, I feel like if you don't know your darkness, you can't know your light. 100% agree with you and I love everything you just said and it couldn't be closer to the truth. And I guess with your book too, you talk a lot about that unraveling and delayering of conditioning and the emotional journey and things like that, don't you? It's, mm. it's very deep, your book. It is very deep and sometimes I look at people's faces after they've read it and <laughs> it's just like <laughs> they're a little shocked. But, but I think that's great because we need to get triggered into our healing sometimes. You know, in a way, your book is really awakening people to looking deeper within themselves. That's kind of how I see it but, um, yeah, to a level yeah. with so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a scary thing. I mean, 
it's not an easy process, is it? Like going deep within yourself and unraveling. And like, like you just said, a lot of us aren't actually taught how to do that. We haven't been given the tools to navigate how we're feeling on the inside. Mm. I think the only tool we, well, a lot of us in our generation, I know this is a, like, I often speak in massive generalizations, but I feel like there is a bit of a theme in our generation, like yours and mine, that we learnt from our parents. And just like to preface what I'm about to say, like I feel like our parents came off the back of the war, you know, their parents were in survival mode. Everything was about building up big families, image, making yourself look good, finding a way to fit into society again. Life was industrialised. There was a purpose um, and the purpose was to survive. But for us, we've been born into that but screaming for more. So I remember when I was young just going, this can't be all there is to life. Nine to five jobs, survival, survival, survival. Like this cannot be all there is to life. And I think being Mm. born with with that inner questioning so strong in, in a lot of us, we have two choices. We can either embrace that calling and dig for more or we can numb. And, yeah, a lot of us have been taught to numb by our parents and that's what we choose over looking at our stuff. So true. I love that you said we have been taught to numb. It is a choice and it's not an easy choice mm. to make though, is it, when, and I now I'm generalising, but yes. when you look around and the world does tend to, you know, numb and where that trauma that we've been born into, I mean, it's such a deep trauma to excavate and when the world normalises just numbing pain and when you said purpose to pain, I'm such a believer in that too and yeah. understanding that the pain is there to be looked at and the fact that, you know, you've been doing that deep work to really excavate that and understand the per- the meaning and and when you said about your light, you really can't find it without delving into the darkness and we're afraid of that. We've been conditioned to be afraid of feeling and I know you talk about this a lot on, you know, social media or in your book about how important feeling is. And I think that's where we really um, connect to on that level of understanding the importance of feeling, feeling things, the good and the bad and the ugly. And yeah, feel, feeling it all. And I think that's, that's one of the um, things, you know, like I, I speak to a female audience and I don't mean to do that. I can, the only reason I do that is because I, I understand what it's like to be a woman in our culture, but I, I do mean, for these words to get out to everyone but basically I I, you know there's a power struggle between men and women still in our culture and things like that so my book was predominantly meant for women who are trying to become whole again and that's my intention was like you can't be whole unless you understand about all your missing pieces and the missing pieces are just fragments of you yeah floating around in the universe And unless you go and reclaim them, whether it be from a past life, whether it be from a bad experience, a trauma, a wound, someone taking your power off you, whether you go back to those times and reclaim all that or you just go on with life and Mm. keep numbing, that's your choice. Mm. But my intention in this life and my purpose, and I feel like you and I are so aligned in this, Holly, um, is to bring that truth forward. Mm. 100% clear. I love it. And it is a choice, you're right, and it's not an easy choice to make. I mean, myself personally and you, and I just wanted to touch on the fact that I was not sure if you would agree with, but I was lucky to um, share a house with you guys on Phillip Island for the first year of lockdown. And <laughs> I know you're laughing like now. I just wanted to say that <laughs> that was actually a really profound year for me because you actually 
watching, not watching, but observing your un- emotional unpacking and I was unpacking a lot of trauma too, mm. it actually really helped normalise for me the process because for a long time I felt quite alone on the journey because the people that were around me were not understanding of what I was unpacking and not going deep and that's just because I'd surrounded myself with people who chose to numb and I decided to make that choice personally to unnumb myself because I actually couldn't function I felt like a robot I felt like there was so much stuck in me that wanted to come out and and it was really ugly and I think when you start to unpack it as you know you know you know I know you're going to say some things here too when you unpack it, it actually feels like you feel like you're crazy. You feel like you're losing. Well, this is me. I felt like I was losing my shit. Well, what is all this stuff? What am I feeling? Do I need medication? Do I need to be locked up? But basically, the more and more you unravel it, the lighter you feel and you understand the purging is so necessary. So I just want to just, I've never said this, said this to you, but thank you for actually helping me normalize that process of unpacking stuff and knowing that it's actually okay. Well, you know, I feel exactly the same way. I think I had a similar experience where, you know, I could talk to you as well. Like, you know, I'd come out of the bedroom in my dressing gown (laughs) and you just get it, you know. (laughs) I mean, it was every day we're like, how are you today? How are you going today? Are you okay? (laughs) One day we'd cry, the next day we'd be in bed. And, you know, I think COVID in in one way, that was a kind of a blessing in my eyes to have that Mm -hmm. space to just unpack and really go in. And it's, yeah, messy, but. It's funny, just going on from that, what you just said about COVID, like the lockdown, you know, we heard of a lot of suicides at that time. We heard of a lot of people really going crazy and and losing composure and losing balance and people's lives were ripped out from underneath them. So they didn't have, you know, like their normal numbing techniques or they didn't have their normal, you know, survival tactics. People were left on their own. We were completely abandoned. And then we were locked down in our house with our own company. And if you didn't know yourself, you sure would have known yourself after COVID because that lockdown, it took everything away from people. There was no more nightclubs to go and, you know, get drunk and lose yourself. There was no more, you know, go to a friend's house and do this. It was all like back on yourself. And for me, and like you said, that was the biggest blessing. Yeah. But, you know, it was hard so I could understand why people took their lives because, they're, yeah. you know, when you're sitting in your own space, in your own silence, everything comes up. 100%. That's so true, you know, everything being taken away from us. And, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie, and I know with your book and what I've been through, we, we know quite a bit about each other, um, not not everything, but, you know, what I know and your journey and mine. I mean, I am very – I know what it's like to numb yourself and not, yeah. you know, not want to face your pain. And, and when you've done that for quite a long time, it's like – it's scary. You know, I understand why people numb. I get it. Um, But I think, you know, like you and I have talked about, it's actually really normalising the fact that feeling your pain has so much power and you actually find this strength that you never realised you had. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't mean to sort of like cast aspersions on everyone that they don't know how to look at their stuff. Yeah. Really difficult thing because sitting in your pain takes so much courage and so much bravery and it also, you know, it takes a lot of strength to, to go against what we're taught and to look outside for something external to soothe you. Um, and I still do it every day. Like I, I see myself scrolling on Instagram and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, Claire, what are you running from? What are you running from this time? <laughs> you know, 100%. I just, yeah, it's not about not numbing for me. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I, I, 
it's more about using techniques like when I see myself scrolling, that's a landmark that I'm running from something. So, um, you know, building a tool, uh, a tool pack so that I know, I know when I'm running away from something, I know when something's been subtly triggered within me um, and identifying it through my behavior in the external world. 100%. I love that you said that because awareness is key, isn't it? Just, and I'm the same. I do the same thing. You know, I'm like, oh, why am I looking at social media or why am I doing this activity that's really not, you know, it's so easy to distract yourself from it. And it's, it's, and like you said, you've not, we've normalized it in society. It's so normal to just like, I'm bored. I'm going to do this or, oh, I don't want to feel this. And, I guess, like you said, you know, and we know forgiveness is key, isn't it? Forgiving ourselves for what we're doing and how we've been taught. But do you want to, I'd love to know, I already know a bit about your tool pack, but I mean, it'd be great, I think, for you to share with others what, I mean, there's so many different tools, but you know what, like everyone's different, right? But what tools do you kind of turn to? Yeah, it's sort of a collation of things that I've I've developed or I've popped in my tool pack over the years. I think The biggest one for me is obviously journaling. Everyone has access to journaling and I feel like it's such a great thing, but there's so many things. I use yoga as well. So like if I'm feeling really stuck, like I just, I can feel something in my body. I can't identify it through words. The best thing to do is move. So, you know, yoga poses are designed to release tension in the body. Tension in the body to me is just trauma. So by releasing that tension, I'm releasing the trauma. And usually I end up like rolling around on my yoga mat crying and then I'll grab my journal and then I'll start. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I do the same. Sorry. Yeah, it's true. It's a fun one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's it (laughs) that my kids have to watch all the time. But, yeah, and then as soon as I release it, yeah, it's amazing. But I, I use a combination and I think the thing is is intuition, using your intuition. What do I need right now? Do I need to move? Yes. Do I need to sing? Do I need to dance? Do I need to do yoga? Do I need to put pen to paper? Um, do I need to go for a walk yes. and just sit in nature and get my bottom on the ground and my feet in the earth? Like what do I need? I love that. It's mm. so, it's you're so right. And that's a big part of, you know, self-love, isn't it? Just what do I need right now? How do I, how can I get through it? And I think, you know, your tools are amazing and, I, you, you know, you're an amazing writer and that's a real strength for you. But yeah, with yoga, I guess we're similar understanding that, you know, that tension is trauma. And interesting that you said that because I, I, that happens to me a lot, the not knowing how I'm feeling, just feeling in my body that something wants to come out. And I, I, honestly, it still scares me sometimes. I still have days like, what the fuck am I feeling? Mm-hmm. All right, you know, what do I do? And for me, it's yoga or dance or meditation, you know, they're kind of my tools or, you know, nature, similar to you, just really listening in or just crying or screaming and being okay mm-hmm. with like letting it out in whichever way it wants to come. But when I think I feel like a lot of people, I don't know if you agree or not, but I feel like a lot of people might go through that feeling of not knowing what they're feeling, and that's where numbing is a very easy thing. And that's what I used to do. Like, oh, what is this? I'll just you know numb it. But actually sitting with it and going, what can I do in a healthy way to release it? And usually, sometimes you don't even know what it is; it just comes out. And or you know, usually there's a message. But trusting the process, isn't it? Of just you know letting that emotion or feeling just come up and out. Just let it pass. Yeah, because it's us, isn't it, really, that's holding on to it. And you're holding yeah. on to it, you know, yeah, if you choose to numb, that's that's holding on to it. That's choosing to not let it pass through you. So, you know, that, that's what I mean by like every moment there's that choice. Like if you feel something in your body, do I make an inquiry into that into that feeling or do I go and do regular things like 
go and try and smash it out in some other way by drinking, you know, a, a six pack of beers or something, you know, or attending yeah. to an addiction or something like that. And I don't know, I'm not obviously not an addiction expert, so I don't want to go there, but like choosing to identify or make that inquiry, that's where it starts. You know, it's like I feel I feel discomfort. I feel discomfort in my body. I'm fighting with my partner all the time. My kids are triggering the crap out of me. What is going on? And just choosing to make that inquiry instead of blaming everyone around you, that's where I think where it starts. So true because you really can't blame anyone and that's a really hard pill to swallow when you start this journey, I think. And I think mm. like normalising seeking help if you're starting this yeah. journey is really yeah. another thing, you know, like seeking help, you know, sometimes if you don't know where to start, it's really important to know that you can talk to people who actually um, can go deep with you. And I think you and I have both had experiences in maybe not now but in the past of seeking help and realising that people don't go deep enough. A lot of people, maybe I shouldn't say this, I'm generalising, but I feel as a you know past social worker now doing my own thing, I actually feel like we don't go deep enough in mainstream um a lot of mainstream therapies, a lot of people do, and there's a lot of beautiful, amazing souls coming out to really understand the purging and releasing process. And I honestly, I'm just going to name it, I hate hearing doctors who just, you know, I've heard so many stories lately of people going to see a doctor and say, oh, you, you must be depressed, let's just put you on this meditation, med- yeah. med- meditation, that's probably a good thing, medication, <laughs> I wish they said meditation, <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting slip, medication first. And mm-hmm. I've actually had people say, but I actually wanted to see a counsellor but they said medication first and I actually think that's appalling that's taking away people's choice um but anyway I think that everyone has their choice the choice to make but numbing is not getting to the root cause of and like you said I feel if we continue to numb we do kind of tend to remain stagnant in that emotional energy because we have held on to that old energy you know Mm, well it's interesting too like I'll just lightly touch on this because I know it's a really um sensitive topic but um just myself yeah. and the experience that I had with antidepressants um it completely numbed my entire experience with emotion I couldn't feel wow. happiness I couldn't feel sadness I couldn't feel anything and being an, an emotional being like I am emotions are my life so when I was on them it was a really tough experience for me I wasn't like I was gonna say I wasn't happy but then I wasn't unhappy either it put me in a place yeah. where I didn't have the choice to work through the emotions because I couldn't access anything. I was just literally numb wow. from the top of my head all the way to the bottom of my feet. And I remember trying to cry. I remember like making up things in my head, trying to get myself to cry. And I couldn't even squeeze a tear out. It was so bizarre. It was just such, and I was literally a robot. So I was happy that I went through that experience because it made me realise how important emotions are mm. and how they can enrich your life yep. if, you, if you can understand them. Um, so, yeah, I just I felt like that was important yep. to say. I know it's a sensitive topic and I know there are definitely people who cannot get a handle on their emotions for whatever reason and for their own safety and the safety of their lives and whatever else or other people's lives, maybe that's important in that scenario. But my experience was, is you know, that I just... I can't live without emotions. I just can't. I hear you. And I think um, I think that's a really profound message. And I have no doubt that a lot of people could relate to 
to that of feeling numb from head to toe and it actually really saddens me to be honest that so many people um do disconnect from their emotions and like you said and as we both know it is actually really intense to feel them and it does take a lot of courage and strength to delve deep and excavate them and I remember there was, you know, a year there, actually, no, I'd say more than a year. There was times where I was, you know, really thinking, I don't want to be here anymore. What's the point? Yeah. This is too hard. Like I understand people, people get to that low point of actually, you know, not want, not being able to cope because if you're carrying trauma, you've got, you know, we've talked a bit about this too, like the ancestral patterns, you know, we're, yeah. you know, we've inherited some patterns from our parents who they haven't actually delved into it. And then we've got our own trauma and then there's yeah. conditioning from society on top of that and you're a sensitive soul. It can actually <laughs> be a lot to unravel. It's a fucking shitload of stuff and it can actually be, and I think before this podcast we talked about, you know, maybe we'll touch on this later, about really knowing who you are and authenticity and it's a real struggle to actually know who you are and buried beneath all this stuff. And But the emotional journey to me is such an important journey to be on so you actually get closer to who you, you are at that soul level. Mm. It's a strange um, thing, isn't it? Because to be happier in yourself, and to know yourself and to feel whole as a, a and to feel the magic of life, you have to go through the darkness. I don't believe with all yeah. my heart and soul. I don't believe, and I know you you know, you can never be definitive about anything in yeah. life, but this I am. I don't believe you can know yeah. yourself without knowing your darkness. They exist in, you know, in conjunction with each other. It's important to mm. remember that and to yeah. yeah. Find power in that. hundred percent. And like, I mean, I think that positive affirmations and mirror work and doing all the things to bring in the good energy is really, really important because we need to keep battling our demons or whatever you want to call them, you know, Mm. the the weaknesses or whatever, our trauma. But to me, in my experience, I always have to sift through that darkness to actually bring in that light. I can't just pull it, put in all these, these affirmations. It just doesn't, it's not lasting. The purging always comes um Mm. and I think you spoke about this on uh, one of your social media posts about manifesting and I've got a very similar um perception of that with you and how we nearly have to feel and you know when we (laughs) manifest things you know coming from that space of our um highest pure self or whatever not the ego and our conditioning but feeling and when we manifest you spoke about it's like we have to feel and all our shit will come up it's like you know, all of our blocks and our, oh, I can't do this, I'm not good enough. Blah, blah, blah. That's that's actually part of getting to where we want to be though. That's showing us, isn't it? Like our stagnant yeah. energy. and That is so true. I love that you just said that because uh, I wanted to elaborate more on well, that. I think in- you said it in your, your post too. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I, didn't, I don't think I delved deep enough into that. You know me, I love a deep conversation. Um, <laughs> I don't think I delved deep <laughs> into, into that that part where you know I really I really feel like when that that trauma comes up when that resistance comes up 99% of people will go oh, okay no that's that's too hard I, I'm on the wrong path because they believe manifesting yes easy drop in your lap then you know it visualize it and then it arrives in the letterbox you know it, it just doesn't happen but I've seen like we don't even have to actively reach out for what we want all we have to do is sit still in the present moment and what what does the universe need from me right now to get to that vision and then if the universe drops in resistance if the universe drops in self-worth shit if the universe drops in you know um discomfort and whatever that's what you need to heal to move to that next stage to get you closer to your vision and i think that i that, love that 
Yeah, I think that that people get to that stage where they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm just hitting roadblock after roadblock. This isn't what's meant for me. I'll go for something else. And they try to cultivate another vision or another way to get there. But there's no getting around it. If, If you want what you want, you need to vibrate at that frequency. And to vibrate at that frequency, you need to change the energy in your body to vibrate at the same frequency as what you want. It's so true. It's um, it's really an internal thing. And I love that you said just sit with it because I in the past have um, run towards things or like, and I think that there's actually a quite a few people in the spiritual community, not just me, who mm. think just go and do it. Just do it. Just take almost bypass all of that and just get to from A to Z. Just go and like the universal have your back and you and I think to a level that works but if you haven't done the little steps in between like to me the things that have manifested who which you know have been amazing and been when I actually did what you did just sat gone through the pain and then it just comes the next step is presented we don't actually have to chase anything or push too much I mean like you you said too that we have to take action but the universe almost delivers it to you when you do the internal work when you take those steps you know of that discomfort and work through it and it can be really difficult when um it feels really uncomfortable because you kind of almost you know your internal or like your demons or your darkness can actually go oh that's too hard oh no I'm not going to do that you know, mm. and I think you and I have talked a lot about self-sabotage and how easy it is to fall back into patterns of not even realising any self-sabotage. There's sometimes that I've um, not even realised I've sabotaged stuff. Like, oh, shit, that was actually probably, you know, a good step for me to take, but I just sabotaged it, you know, not realising my patterns were so deep. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, your ego would yeah. like you to believe that you're perfect and, you know. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, my ego says to me all the time, oh, we don't need to go there today because, you know, we've done enough inner work. So you're healed and <laughs> now you can have everything you want. And then I know that's not, I know that's not true. I'd like to believe that. But just on that, when I just wanted to um, give an example about Inda, your niece and my daughter, yeah. uh, about how she went going to school for the first time, like a brand new school. And nobody knows this about Inda, but ever since she was little, uh, she's been terrified of going to school. And uh, we finally got her into a school when she was um, in prep and then, um, she had lots of anxiety about going and it kind of was then she became really comfortable at that school and she's like, right, this is my comfort zone. I love my comfort zone. Don't ever take me out of my comfort zone. And then when we moved away, obviously we knew we were going to have to. And I feel Inda's anxiety so much that I don't want her to feel it and sometimes I jump in and try and cushion it for her, which isn't the best thing because when she went we moved up here, she had a go at going to school and it was the hardest thing for her. She knew nobody. She was so anxious and I was so tempted to keep jumping in and and just going, it's okay, just here, have this food and I'll give you an ice cream. And I felt so tempted to bribe and to comfort. And then I thought, I'm doing that thing that I'm so against and I'm teaching her not to be okay with discomfort. I'm telling her that discomfort is bad and that you can't do it without ice cream and I'm doing all those things. So what I need to do is shut the fuck up and just witness and be there for her. That's all I have to do. And she went to school and after that day of her going to school, she came home and was a different child. I saw her break past that point of resistance. She's never been passed in her entire life. Wow. It It was the comfort zone threshold. She'd never been past that. So every time she got to the threshold, she'd pull back and just go, no, 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 I don't like that. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. 
possible. But we, with our support, we pushed her past that. And she is a different kid. She She's in the water surfing, sitting out the back with all the big surfers when she would never have done that in Victoria. She's speaking confidently. Her posture's changed. She's standing a lot taller. She's so confident in herself now. And that was the biggest mirror lesson for me that I have ever experienced in my life because I was like, Claire, this is where you need to practice what you preach and teach your your kids these tools. And that's her tool for life now. She knows what's on the other side of the threshold and it's not going to kill her. But a lot of people don't ever get past that threshold to know that you're not going to die, you know, if you push past that resistance a bit. Yeah. That's such a beautiful story and so powerful for parents too because it must be so easy to want to jump in and protect. And that's that's so like, you know, with all the work you've done and be able to actually give that to your daughter. And I know Indra is such a sensitive soul and a beautiful soul, both Indra and Malia. But yeah. like, I love how you said that about the other side of the threshold and it's crazy, you know, how we can stop ourselves from pushing past that because fear does seem really real. Like it actually mm. does feel in our body like it actually is going to kill us. It feels really dangerous. Yeah. And like you said, with ego death, that's an ego death. So that belief what? system is then null and void once you push past it. And that part of your ego dies. I think we touched on that this morning, the ego death. And like, it's actually, how would you describe it? I mean, you just actually did, but did you want to talk any more about ego deaths? And <laughs> Ego deaths are violent. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> They're yeah. really um. I, I don't know about you, Holly. Like, I'm, I mean, I'd love an I'd love an example from you too, so I don't look like a weirdo. But like, there are times where I where I literally feel like that's when I'm laying in bed. I that's when the, when I have a massive ego death. That's when I literally the power <laughs> in my body disappears, and I need to put a dressing gown on and get myself to bed with a box of tissues <laughs> as quick as I can, because I just have to be in it. <laughs> It's I'm not laughing at you, but I can just relate. <laughs> I think you've seen me like that. That's why you're laughing. I think we've seen both of each other like that. And it's, it's actually quite horrendous. It's like you, you don't even, it's like you've lost who you are. It's like you, 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 like you said, you're dying. Like you, it is an actual death. Like, and I don't know about you, but when I go through it, it can be lots of different things, but I actually, I forget who I am through an ego death. I actually, every time I'm like, that's it, I'm done. I don't know who I am. I don't know anything. That's it, I'm out. Like, I just like I'm checking out of life. It's like, it's like this massive void. It's like, I just feel like this nothing. Like, yeah. and it's a scary feeling. Like, because you know that it's like some program or part of you is leaving. And I have weird dreams. Like, I actually had a dream the other night. It sometimes happens in my dream state. I had a dream that I was hanging off the edge of a cliff and two of my friends were walking past and they were ignoring me. And I was like, please help me, help me. And I just like fell off the cliff and like I woke up going, oh, shit, I'm dying, like another layer. Or I don't know, it happens in weird ways to me and I feel like I'm psycho. But then it's actually, and we've had this, and I want to talk more about this if you want to, about that's how we find our authenticity though. We have to die so many frigging times. Like I know you've died a lot and I've died a lot and we'll continue to die and it's, yeah. it's scary every time, isn't it? I feel like every time I, I just feel like I can't do it. Yeah. It's interesting you said about your dreams, Holly, because, like, I think they're the most potent, most honest form of truth that you can ever receive from your psyche because your dreams don't Pretty lie. dark sometimes. Yeah, your dreams don't lie and they are dark and that's because we have darkness in us. And Carl Jung, you know, he was he's all about 
the dream, um, the dream in the waking state. And you can learn a lot from what he teaches. But I think at the end of the day, you know, your spiritual self, your psyche, they all know what's going on. It's just that our minds yes. are so conditioned to believe that is wrong. And we are meant to put on a happy face, go and do our nine to five job. Don't create an environment that supports emotional healing. Because that was the other thing I was going to say before, if I may digress. Yeah is that um, I feel like we have all cultivated in the Western world environments that do not support emotional healing. 100% agree. It, it feels like since I moved to um, up north, I, um, I don't have any commitments and I have a lot of time on my hands, which is fabulous for my emotional growth because when yep. stuff comes up, it, it's allowed to come up. I don't have to say quick put that away, numb it somehow, because I've got to get on with life. I've got to get up to work and I've got to get, you know, I don't have that. And I'm very fortunate, but that was part of my vision, Holly, like that I wanted to manifest was to create yep. a life that supports my emotional healing in the most authentic way. I love that. And I agree. It's so important. And I'm very similar. I live my own life and I take time off when I need to. And that's mm. still some days hard to me. I have days where I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. And I'm like, wow, that's the old pattern, you know, the old holly of I need to keep going. And I mean, the whole nine to five, like you said, you don't actually have time to feel your emotions, to process things. You're on autopilot and it's a it's a horrible pattern to be in. And, and I believe that actually keeps you stuck in a really dangerous cycle. Not not for everyone. I don't want to say that for everyone. But if mm. you're a really emotional being and you have things to unpack, which I kind of believe most of us do, to be honest, mm. it, you, we need that space to, you know, rest for a few hours when we need to, to, to process that energy. And I think it's crucial. And I think it's really amazing that you've taken that step to create that for yourself because it's so important. Yeah, well, it's what I, you know, it's why I wrote my book. Um, I didn't become the sacrificial lamb of humiliation just so that I could sit and just, you know, and deny it all. I, I wanted to give the public an example of what transformation can look like because transforming for me was never, ever a neat process where I could also fit no. in, you know, a fake life. Transforming for me was like a bomb went off in my life for a good 20 years. It was so goddamn yeah. messy and I couldn't control myself and no one could control me. That's why I went on antidepressants and, you know, all that stuff and I got addicted to drugs and alcohol and sex and, like, just all this stuff, anything that could validate me in some way. But now I am so glad I went through all that and someone obviously was looking out for me because I often wonder how I survived, but I did. And yeah. I'm just so glad that I went through it all because I understand emotions in their full entirety because I see them in their mess. I can see how them, they can create a massive mess in your life. And then I can also see them after they're transformed and how, how you can leverage of transformed emotions to create the life that you want. I love it. I love that. Mm. And I love how you talked about um, control, like you you couldn't control yourself. But I actually feel that in society we're almost conditioned to control ourselves as, you know, keep stay in control and put yourself yeah. together and get back to work and man up where it's actually 
not conducive to our growth at all. It's not. And yeah, and I mean, I feel that, you know, a lot of the things you said I can relate to in my own way with the messiness and returning to drugs and alcohol and sex and all those things to try to, you know, not face it. And I, I believe that a lot of the things that, I, you know, that we talk about in the medical industry or, you know, in Western world is almost seen as, you know, you're out of control, you're, you know, you, you, there's something wrong with you, whereas it's actually a purging and releasing all of the stuff that doesn't serve you to get back to who you really are. There's actually, it's actually the process, like you said, of transformation, of coming to your true nature, of releasing the darkness. Yeah. It's actually the process of getting back to who you truly are. It's not, doesn't need to be numbed or controlled. It needs to be freed in a safe space, of course, with tools to support you. Yeah. But it's actually the way through. And that's what I love about your book, showing people that. Yes, that is so true, Holly. And the funny thing is, though, is that I think because no one has shown anyone how to set up a safe, you, you said it perfectly. I think the, the part where you said about the safe space, mm. so that was the difference for me is now I, I, I can create my own safe space to un, unpack my emotions. But back when I was younger, no one taught me how to unravel emotions. Yeah. So they came out in an unsafe way, which, you know, if we're going to say safe and unsafe. Um, but had I had an environment and I think it starts right back when you have tantrums, Holly, as a child, as a baby. How does your parent hold space for yeah. you when you're losing your shit in the middle of a supermarket? How do they do that? Totally. Do they go, shut up, just shut up, don't, don't everyone's looking at you, don't, don't, don't do that, don't embarrass no. me? Like, are they doing that or are they, yeah, saying, you know what, you let that out, just, you know, get it out there on the concrete floor right here with everyone watching and witnessing you. You're perfect as you are. Your emotions are perfect as they are. And then I think that's how the rest of your life is dictated. I, I think that's a really powerful statement and couldn't agree more. It's And I guess we talked about that earlier, didn't we, about that generation unfortunately not having the capacity to understand how to deal with emotions and in survival mode and almost people pleasing and being perfect and staying in line and just keep going and that suppression is just overwhelming and I believe and I'm sure to a level you might see it and believe it too that that's why there's so much disease and illness because we're just suppressing so much of that emotional energy that we're, there's so many ridiculous high rates of illness that is not necessary if we unpack our emotions. Not saying yeah. everything is related, you know, every illness, but a massive, massive amount of um, illness is due to suppressed emotions, trauma. I 100% agree with you. I mean, I've, I've witnessed that in my own life. Um, I won't say with who, but I, I've seen yeah. that manifest before my very eyes over years. So I, yeah. I see that. And also you can see it in smaller ways, can't you, with your body? Like, like so my right adrenal gland was just absolutely killing me I couldn't bend forward mm. without you know feeling like this pulsating pain in my back yeah so I that's when I went to my yoga mat because I'm like all right something's coming up but I don't know what it is and and I started doing yoga poses that were known to help adrenals and then sure enough as soon as I pressed really hard on a spot I just burst out crying because there was something there and my body was telling me uh, you've got a trauma or an emotion stuck in your adrenal gland and the thing for me is that when we ignore that and ignore it and ignore it and ignore it over 20, 30, 40 years, and then we start making it our identity, oh, I've just got arthritis or I've just got um, an adrenal problem or I've just got this and I've just got that, and you create it as an identity to feel safe within, you never let it go and you never learn. Those things turn into, you know, um, severe diseases. And 
you know, your adrenals are obviously connected to your kidneys and there's fear there and all that sort of stuff. But the more you listen to your body, like this is, I know you feel very similar to this, the more you listen to your body, the less you have to deal with the damage 20 or 30 years down the track. A hundred percent. And, you know, the adrenal stuff is, I feel like it's a really big stuff and I've had that too. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's more because I feel it as well. Because like you said, the adrenals, fear, also survival mode, flight or flight mode. I mean, a lot of people are living in flight or flight mode and it's such a big thing, you know, and you know, my history of, you know, healing an autoimmune disease, which I was told I wouldn't be able to. And I'm going to talk more about that at some point, knowing that a lot of that was suppressed emotions and conditioning, like a mixture of stuff. And I wasn't listening to my body. I'd numbed myself. I was completely in survival mode, not stopping to listen in. And Mm. that just accumulated and manifested as an illness and that whole identity. um, I was, I think you were one of the first people I told actually when I was diagnosed with it. And I remember that day actually, and I was in tears and I actually almost felt like my life is over. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to live like this. And I think it set me on my journey of healing that. So I'm, I'm grateful for the experience now because it's empowered me to help others. But the thing is, I can I see a lot of people who, like you said, identify with it. Oh, I've just got this. I've just got that. And I really feel for that that mentality and the choice they've actually made unconsciously or consciously to actually go, I've just got this. Where to me, I believe there is actually a message for you to explore and something to unpack. But that is a choice whether or not you do that. And it's not an easy choice to make. And it can be a road of deep excavating and pain and changing your life and you know but it's actually I just wish that society you know I guess looked at this a bit more holistically because I think it would help a lot of people um heal Mm, yeah no I think um, controversial it is a controversial I know there's a lot of sensitive things I think that's the other thing too Holly is like I've always felt the things that I say are quite deep and triggering and that's why I've always had this feeling of wanting to be silenced, like, because I'm scared of conflict. So my biggest fear is conflict. So should I happen to say what I feel is, is my truth, often it can be tended to with backlash. And if, like, yeah. you're like me and you have an issue with conflict, which I'm still working through, you feel to stay quiet a lot more than you do to speak out. But I feel like we need more of the voices that you're you know, that you're putting on your show, on your podcast. I feel like we need more truth, more real truth, not just a truth that's convenient, the truth that's triggering. Because if it's not triggering you, I don't I don't know how much you can grow from it. Trigger is seen as a bad thing, but but for me it's like an opportunity to grow. Oh my goodness. That's you're such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I I love that you just said that. And I think that that's really powerful with the triggering because we have been conditioned to believe to to almost run from triggers. And I used to do that in the past. So I get it. And I'm being triggered right now on different levels with someone in my life. Mm. And it's really um, helping me grow. And the amount of times I wanted to run the other direction, but the universe always sends me back. (laughs) And I find that interesting in life too, because I feel like, you know, like, like, no, that's it, I'm out. But it's funny how I'm being sent back to face certain things. And I I wonder with the rest of humanity, um, sorry, I shouldn't say the rest of humanity, but, you know, other people who were, you know, doing similar to me, not facing a trigger right now, the universe does tend to send you back. And I wonder sometimes how much you can actually avoid your triggers because I do believe that there is something larger at play. Like I actually am a big believer in divine timing and all being on our own journey, but I also believe we all make our own choice. So maybe we've all made our own choice already, which way we go. But I know that you and I, you know, for sure are definitely on that journey of truth and helping those people who want to actually get closer to the truth and to find their true power within 
and to, uh, I guess, challenge their conditioning and what they've been taught and dig deeper and perhaps face that discomfort and see that there's not anything really much to fear in it. There's actually, it's just, but it is a fight. I, I know that you, you you can get that too. Like facing your triggers means that you have to face your shit, face where you've been hiding, face your ego. And mm. you don't want to because sometimes you're like, no, I'm perfect. I don't need you to tell me that. I don't care. You know. <laughs> but then a week later you're like, shit, I should have listened to that person. They were right. um gotta go back now (laughs) yeah the triggering's painful it's not pleasant no it's not but I think it's so interesting because like I say pain as so the universe has this this law the universe the law of balance right so um, with every action comes a reaction with every you know positive there's a negative with it everything has to balance out in the end so the way I see it right is the deeper the roots, the taller the tree. If your pain is big and it's hurting and it's horrible and you've got to go through horrible things to excavate it, and if I might just add a disclaimer in there, if you do have some really big traumas, it might be worth reaching out to someone, you know, like Holly who's a who's got social work background, something like that to hold your hand through it if that's what you need. Then, you know, and then carrying on from that, I feel like if you have big trauma and it's a massive effort to get there, imagine the joy on the other end. Imagine the feeling of liberation yeah. on the other end. And when you finally get to that place, if even for a moment, and you get to celebrate in what all the hard work you've done and and that's how the universe balances it out. So if you've got big shit to deal with, you'll have big joy to experience after. I love that so much. And that's often what I say to my clients, not because of just saying it, it's because I've, you know, I believe it and I've witnessed it within myself. And I know there's more to unpack, but I know that same as you, the more you unpack, the more you discover and the more magic there is. And it's a beautiful feeling when you excavate a deep trauma. But I agree with you, it can be really difficult to navigate on your own and it's finding the right people. But I do believe, and I'm sure you have had that experience, it's almost when you put it out then you're like, all right, I'm ready to face this. The right people present, the right opportunities come up, the right, you know, the right things come into reality, but it's trusting your intuition. And sometimes that can be clouded or blocked by your conditioning or your emotions or your triggers, you know, and sometimes people enter my life. I'm like, oh, I don't know if you're the right person for me, you know, mm-hmm. but then, you know, feeling the energy, usually I'm like, oh, they feel like the right person, but it's usually the trigger or something that they're stirring up in my ego, or my conditioning that doesn't feel right, but the energy feels right, if that makes sense. So I think that's yeah. why understanding energy mm-hmm. and that is really important because sometimes something can feel right, but in your body, it feels wrong, but that's, it's almost like stirring up your darkness. Or Yeah, because like our intuition has been suppressed so over yes. time and our conditioning's made us not have faith and trust in our intuition. So we've got two, we've got two narratives happening like, oh, you know, one is our yes. intuition and then one is our conditioning. And that's why it is so important in life to know yourself because if you don't know yourself, you don't know your conditioning, you'll never know your intuition. That's what yeah. you're saying is like just pulling, I think I think that's what you're saying, like just pulling apart what's yeah, real. Are. Yeah, that's real. Yep. And that's another thing too is that the reason our, our intuition is so deeply dep- uh, suppressed by our older generations, I guess, is because it doesn't fit within a container of expectation. So like when the generations before us came, their narrative in life was, we work, we make money, we industrialize marriage, we make sure that we repopulate after the war. It is all about survival, like I said before. And then we've come mm. along. 
the next generation with with this spark of joy and hope and intuition and we need to flow a bit more and we need to experience things and we, we start stoking fires and questioning their industrializations and then all of a sudden you know there's back backlash or anger or something like that so we learn to shut that down as children we're like oh don't feel that because that's not right and that takes me to a place where I get yelled at so I'm just going to suppress it and push it down and then I'll go on and do what people tell me to do and then it creates people pleasing and all this stuff so you know there's a we're in a pandemic of people pleasers at the moment you know where it's in everybody to a degree at some point because we've all experienced what it feels like to have to live within someone else's expectations and narratives it's hard to express yourself Oh, 100%. And we we both talked about this in the past, I guess, about the people pleasing. And I think we've kind of, we've had those conversations over the last few years in particular about looking at where we're giving our power away and um, how much it actually kills you on the inside, how much of your energy you give out, you know, to the external world. And it's on so many levels, isn't it? It's like, you know, we, we grew up with, I guess, you know, not naming us in particular, but, you know, I'll name it for myself, um, you know, being conditioned to be a certain way and look a certain way and say certain things to make sure that you're liked by people. And then there's a school system and I was very like, oh, I better be perfect at school. So, you know, I do well in life. And then in my relationships, like um, almost compromising too much of myself for others because of being taught that that's what love was and, you know, being selfless. And I think now because I've, I've changed a lot of that in my life and my schedule is very different to a lot of the people that I used to be around. And I still have this little voice inside me going, oh, I'm a little bit selfish because I'm not doing what they're doing and I don't want to do that anymore and that's not really in alignment. But when I'm on my own and I really tap into it, I'm like, well, this is actually me. This is not. Mm-hmm. This is me underneath my conditioning and what I've been taught and I actually feel a lot more in alignment. And, okay, there might not be many people who live life like me but we are actually all different. We're all, to me, we're all on our own unique spiritual journey, our own path, and nobody is the same. Nobody should be doing exactly as, as anybody else unless they want to. And yeah. we're not hurting anyone by, by doing that. I think you and I are also on that path of, and especially with your children, showing your kids, you be who you are authentically to you, you know? Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the truth of it, isn't it? And, you know, the authenticity thing is such a big thing. And I loved your recent social media poster about, authenticity because you spoke about who who are we really like we think we're this person because of our conditioning but we think we know who we are but really do we or are we just what someone else wanted us to be and yeah that's that makes complete sense and the funny thing was Holly is like I didn't choose my path necessarily like to do certain things but um as you know like just recently a modeling agency signed me as part of their agency and to me I'm just like what are you ridiculous but anyway they might need middle-aged women for something (laughs) so anyway I did a photo shoot with um one of them and this lady she was uh uh, I don't know the names of all the things yet uh she was the head designer of the shoot or whatever and she came up to me and she could see Mm. I was really struggling I was really, really struggling because when a camera is in front of you and everyone is staring at you, you can't hide. And yeah. so I was, I started to die inside basically. I was like, oh, my gosh, everyone's looking at me. They can see the tension in my face. And I wear my feelings very obviously in my body. So if I'm holding tension, it will show in my face. You know, I sometimes get like fat face because I'm holding so much tension. Me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't hide yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing how different you look when you let it go. But anyway, so then I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've got fat face and they're taking photos of me and he wants this angle and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, 
the lady came up to me and what she said was, it's hard being seen, isn't it? And then that made me feel a lot wow. worse because I was like, she can tell that I'm freaking out that I can't be seen, um, that I don't want to be seen. Mm. But that was another thing for me that came up was that being seen as authentically as possible means that you have to deal with your stuff because the thing that I was hiding in that photo shoot was my lack of confidence and my lack of self-worth and they could see that I was hiding something. So to be authentic, you have to go back to that lack of self-worth and where does that come from? Where is it sitting in my body? How can I shift through this? And then you can be authentic. But the little things that sit underneath, and I was trying to fake it. Like, let's be honest, I was trying to fake being confident. I had 30 people, Mm. designers, artists, makeup artists, all these people staring at me. And I, here I am being fake confident and everyone could see through me. And that's what actually prompted me to write that post because I know a lot Mm. of people can fake their authenticity in life. I think a lot of people have mastered it. But what I think it does also in the same breath is that it creates this false culture of authenticity fraud where it's okay to be fake. And what I'm trying to do, I think what you're trying to do is say real authenticity comes from the bottom up. It comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. Yeah. What a powerful experience though. And I mean, it sounds like it would have been horrendous at the time. I would have hated that. I am sure that you look stunning and sometimes it's just our our internal stuff. I love that you talked about the self-worth and the confidence because I really be like, you know, that's such a big thing for so many people, me included. And I think, you know, I've talked about this with you, like there's time, even starting this podcast, it's something I want to do for such a long time, just because of the beautiful people I've met and the messages I want to share and others want to share. And, you know, I got really excited. I was like, oh, this would be great. And then what, a few days later, I was like laying on the floor going, like really like dying, yeah. going, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm hopeless. No one's going to care. I'm, what the fuck am I doing? Like losing my shit like a two-year-old. And then they're like, I'm not doing it. And just watching myself through that process and it really felt like I was someone was stabbing me like with 20 knives, like I'm like, mm. no. Nah. And mm. that was all my self-worth and my confidence. Mm. And then I just had to go back to what's my purpose? What am, what am I doing this for? And who do I want to help on this journey? Because, you know, in different ways we've had similar journeys or some experiences for us have been similar with the self-worth and the layers of that are really deep. You know, the layers that it's taken for me to excavate to even get to here, which is nothing. But, you know, mm. for me it's been such a big deal someone who had very low confidence, who masked it all, who worked a nine to five, masking, you know, all my emotions and running from triggers. And, you know, when you get these, and I think that the universe will keep sending you these triggers to help you step up. It's actually helping us, isn't it? Like that experience for you is helping you delve deeper into that part of you to step yeah. up even further into, you know, all of your power and, you know, self, self-empowerment. But it's just whether or not we keep running towards it. And it's so easy to run the other direction. It's so easy to go, oh, I'm not good enough, and, or just not even wanting to acknowledge that. And go, oh, that, that's just, you know, and we, I guess we spoke about that before, just not wanting to acknowledge what the universe is trying to show us. And it's actually wanting us to rise and be our true authentic selves. And that changes in every moment, doesn't it? Like one day I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling authentic today. Then I'll have an ego death. I'm like, shit, who was that girl yesterday? But being yeah. okay with that process of, you know, changing as we evolve, like we don't remain the same. And society needs to maybe acknowledge that a bit deeper, I think, that we are always evolving and changing. That is it. That's what authenticity is, what you just said, because you do change in every moment. And I remember when I was about 19 and I wrote a journal entry, which I was reading through the other day, and I wrote about how 
my friends don't like it when I change. Yes, I can relate. Yeah, and then I remember create creating like friendship circles and all these people that I had to literally leave their lives so that I could evolve because I'd created a scenario where I couldn't change and evolve because that's what's so normal in society is this lack of acceptance of evolution. We're like, I love what you said, like how how you're like, we're constantly evolving. We are constantly changing. It's the only thing guaranteed in life is that you're going to change. But, you know, we're taught so much to hold on to that identity. Hold on. Don't let go. Hold on with all your might or you'll die or, you know, people won't like you or you'll lose all your friends, you know, and and that's why the universe favours the brave. When you decide to make that choice to fucking do it anyway and to evolve anyway, the universe will reward you with everything you ever wanted. And that's that's what I see this whole process is, is like evolution is the only reason we're here. Wow, that was really powerful and I couldn't agree more. And <laughs> did I take a big breath there? <sighs> because um, it, but it's just that, that clinging to the old the old ways and I'm actually doing that right now. That's something I'm going through personally. I'm at a bit of a big crossroads and I'm watching my fear come up. If I go down this new path, I'm going to lose everyone. No one's going to like me. I'm going to have no friends. I'm going to be all alone. And then I think, hold on a second, Holly, you've changed a lot and every time you change, the people who leave, leave and the people who are meant to come who are new come. And, you know, even the last, I don't know what how it's been, eight months living back in Melbourne, which I wasn't really the plan, but I was drawn back here for reasons I understand now. And I've met people who I feel like I've known for 100 years that I've only known them for eight months. So it really, the universe really showed me you are supported in every new direction you take and you just nailed it. And the people who've left my life, Maybe they'll come back because we're all on our own journey. And But it does actually kill me when people I've known for a long time leave. I, I guess I do have, I don't know if I should call it attachment issues or that old narrative of not wanting to let go and all that voice in my head going, oh, you're selfish. You can't just leave people behind. I'm like, am I leaving people behind or am I actually following my soul path and are they following theirs? And we're just being conditioned, like you said, to stay with what we know but I think you know we understand that this is about a soul journey evolving our soul and trusting the process and knowing that whoever's meant to be in our lives will be there or they might reappear or they might not so true it's like you scary though right yeah it's so scary but then also too that trusting if someone comes into your life they're in it for whatever your soul contract was meant to be in it for and then they go they come back that means they've done their work you've done yours you guys are vibrating at the same frequency again so then you're another match I just think we're just like little our bodies are like instruments whatever we vibrate and whatever we emanate to the universe that's what we attract and yeah Yeah. for me it's like well I might not be vibrating at the same frequency as that person anymore so there's that detachment that's got to happen and I think it's healthy and I don't think it's over attaching but I think it's healthy to grieve when you lose and detach from somebody you have to grieve we're still human we we yeah. we need to grieve change and i think that's the other thing no one knows how to grieve we've not been taught to grieve when people yeah. die like there's a whole biology behind grief and what mm. if you look at grief you don't actually start grieving for like 6 months after you lose something like it, like a big grief like if you've lost someone and yeah. they've died and you're very close to them yeah. the real your body will release a hormone to help um, it's like a happy hormone, but it just eases the feeling of that that loss. And this is how smart mm. our bodies are. And then after six months, that yeah. hormone disappears and you're left with the reality of what you've lost. But by that stage, everyone's moved on. So you don't have that support anymore. 
around you of people like saying, are you okay? And I'm here for you. You've got to do it on your own. And so we don't see grief Mm. like that. We just kind of feel like it's this, Mm. you know, okay, well, it's been three months now and you should really get over it. And then we just move on. And I think that our relationship with grief has created a dysfunction with how we let go of things in our life. So like say we let go of, you know, a friend or something small, like we move home, away from home. We don't grieve it properly because we're afraid of grief. So, yeah, we need to relearn these relationships with all these big feelings. Like we need to relearn our relationship with death. We need to relearn our relationship with grief, um, with evolution, with discomfort, all of that. Wow. That's so true with the grieving process, isn't it? Because, and with a lot of emotions, I mean, the healing is, there's so many layers and I think you and I get that. And even actually for me, like I, last week I realized I'm still grieving a part of something that happened to me 20 years ago, you know, like it, or someone that was in my, out of my life for 20 years and and I'm like, oh, I'm over it. But then another layer will come up and it's very, it's normal for that to happen. It's, it's okay. It's just the layers that we hold on to. And I think that, I don't know what you think, but I believe that they come up when they're ready to. Like we can't really force the process. It's like I think our bodies, like you said, are so intelligent. It's like, okay, she's ready for this now. It's time for this. It's like our body does try to be gentle with us to a level. It's just what we resist, I think, and what we've been taught in how we process our emotions because a lot of that grief stuff you spoke about, it's not really accepted. I've heard so many stories of professionals, you know, thinking that people just need a tablet because they're depressed because of when it's really grief. And it's like, well, that's so okay so Mm. I couldn't agree more with that yeah Mm. it's interesting too just on one last note um about counselors and things like that psychologists I I completely understand the theories behind it but I had an amazing psychologist for seven years and the only difference between her and the other psychologists that I saw was the ones that I saw to begin with when I had depression they would look at me like a cognitive like I was functioning cognitively they didn't look into my body and I know that sounds so weird but I I really believe that your emotions are somatic I believe they sit in your body and you can't just clear them from a head it it doesn't make any sense yeah so this lady that I saw uh which uh unfortunately she's passed away but she her whole entire ethos and her theories she brought this emotion focused therapy to Australia and she's like revolutionized uh, psychotherapy because what she did was every time I had an emotion the first thing she would do if she saw me getting emotional in our therapy session she'd say where in your body do you feel that where do you feel that and how does it look and it became like this tangible kind of experience where I could get into my body, feel and think. And then all of a sudden, once I started making an image out of this uh, feeling in my body, if I felt it in my heart, if I felt it in my knees, wherever I felt it, the memories of that would come up and then like cry or have a, you know, big release or a purge. And that was that processed. Like that was an unprocessed emotion sitting in my body that I'd had since I was six years old. And that's so powerful. Mm, so powerful so going back to that psychology thing I think what happens is there's two types of psychology that you can you know if you go to see a psychologist you can go there and you can get a few pills and then you can sit there and you can talk it out of your mouth or you can go and have a whole somatic experience where you move down into your body and that's where you clear the the trauma from which I really from my experience of seven years of doing that straight that's exactly where my wounds sit. My wounds don't sit up in my head. A hundred percent agree. I'm so glad you said that because 
I believe, and there's a lot of um, research that our body is our subconscious mind. So how can we actually excavate it if we don't go into the body? And I actually do a similar thing with my clients and that's what I've learned over the years about taking the clients into their body and it's amazing what memories come up. It actually blows my mind. I sit there, I'm like, wow, they actually, like I sometimes I doubt the process. That's my little, you know, entity. And, um, you know, they're like, oh, my God, I just remember this image and this came up. I'm like, fuck, this is so powerful, you know. Our body actually remembers what the mind forgets and it's actually I think it's it's where we really clear energetically, you know, what we're holding on to and it's how we really heal and you're living proof of that. And um, I wouldn't have cleared a lot of my stuff if I hadn't met people who taught me how to do that and now that's what I love what I do. But, yeah, I'd love to see more of it personally, not pushing any agendas, but I'd love to see more people do, you know, what you've been through and I've been through to actually, you know, and I think, I don't know about you, but yoga was, meditation yoga were probably the first things that actually helped me on that journey of reconnecting back to my body because I was really disconnected and I believe that, I'm not making excuses and blaming. I've got to you know, be careful with my words, but I feel like I was conditioned to be in the mind, learn this, do this, go to university, don't think too much, keep going. I disconnected from my body and I knew there was stuff there. I knew it was painful, but nobody else seemed to be worried either. So let's just keep rushing. You know, maybe I use that as a bit of a coping strategy or everyone else is doing that so I don't have to look. You know, maybe that was like yeah. mirrored to me because that's how I felt. Um, but, you know, I guess I just, you get to the stage where you get ill, you your life falls apart, your foundations mm-hmm. crumble, you don't know who you are, you... Mm-hmm. So your life is trying to tell you that you need to actually go deeper and until you do that, I don't really believe that you function that well and that's what breaks my heart, that people can actually change that if they want to delve deep. Yeah, that big, dirty, scary word, deep. Deep. (laughs) Deep and dark and dirty but, you know. I'm going to make a T-shirt on it. It's going to say go deep. Go deep. I'll buy one. I'll buy one. (laughs) I'll just sell one. (laughs) Just, you know, I'll be here wearing it, promoting it. Come on, people. <laughs> I love it, Claire. I love going deep. It's, it's. I don't know. I'm just so passionate about this and I know you are too. What would you like to share about your book? Because I think it's a really powerful book and could really help a lot of people start to look deeper within themselves with your support and guidance. Well, I think it's important to say I don't claim to be anything of a medical practitioner or, you know, psychologist or whatever, but Personally, I never found they helped me anyway. So the reason I wrote the book was not to change people's lives in the way that they feel forced to, but it was definitely to favour more of the idea of going deeper into our stuff and also to try to create a new culture that accepts messy lives or transforming in a messy way. And I think I had this idea in my head before I wrote the book was, I think I'm going to be that sacrificial lamb because if I don't show others how horrible my life was in so many ways, how can I expect to change this culture of fake positivity? How do I change that culture? Well, I always hear that saying, be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, So that's where I started. And I know probably a lot of people would say that, but there's so many unique things that we could all bring to the world and there's so many things that can stop us. But something inside of me just wouldn't stop. I just had to get this book out there. And Holly, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't freak the hell out. Like, what have I done? And if the wrong person gets their hands on that book and they're going to read it and they're going to see all of my deepest, darkest, horrible things and they're going to judge me and 
But then I'm like, well, you know, like you said before, you go back to your why. Like, why are you doing it? Why did you write the truth about your life? And I've got to ask myself that question constantly. And I've got to go and reconnect with it in that space that I want to change the way that we see emotions. I want to change it because I need my daughters to grow up knowing that emotions are healthy even big ones, because I think that the reason my life was so messy was because I didn't allow emotions to be normal in my life. So I tried to suppress them and suppress them and suppress them. And then they just explode in this chaos. And yeah, Mm. and that's what it was. But the funny thing was, Holly, like in my book, I talk about all sorts of, you know, horrible things. But one of the things that I talk about is all the things that I did that felt so liberating for me were wrong by society. So when I was doing the art nude modeling, it was one of the most empowering things for me. I found so much truth. I learned that my body is an instrument. It's an instrument in life that I can use to get what I need, not in a dysfunctional way. So by clearing my body and the container of trauma that it was, I can use my body I can clear my my pathway to my intuition. I can create the most beautiful life out of that. But I learned that from being naked in front of all these people, predominantly men. Everyone would look at me and go, oh, what a, you know, this, that and the other. But the thing, the truth is, is that what looked so wrong by society was so right for me. And yep. yeah, so, and, you know, I hold those memories so dear to myself that for me that's everything and that's what it taught me and then I knew in those moments even when I was having those moments I need to put this in a book one day it doesn't matter what society deems it if it feels right for you it is right for you you know and that's one of the hardest things is that my life most certainly was not orthodox and it did not fit in in the confines of what society says your life must look like to be a successful person my life was chaotic and I found it hard to express myself. I didn't know how to express my emotions properly. And, you know, and then I didn't learn about sexual development and things like that in a healthy way. So then that all came out later in life. So, yeah, I just, I wanted to put that in there because there's a lot of dysfunction in our society, so much dysfunction. Yeah. And we're just not willing to see it. And we've actually normalized. This is what gets me Mm. so riled up is like we actually normalize working our asses off to the point of exhaustion going out on a Friday night getting absolutely shit-faced sleeping with however many men you know this was my life this is what I did sleep with sleep around get it get out all this tension drink yourself to an oblivion have an immense Mm. amount of shame on Sunday and then just go back and do it again Mm. on Monday we call other things dysfunctional, but we normalise that. Isn't it interesting the condition, how we've been conditioned? And I actually was reflecting on that the other day because I don't go out and drink anymore, but I did the same as you. Um, worked the nine to five, got out, going on a Friday, went on a Friday, but always felt empty every Sunday, felt like shit. And it made me just look at my life now and, you know, I'm, I'm still delving deeper, but realising, oh, my goodness, I'm actually allowed to have a peaceful life all the time. I don't have to stress. And obviously life throws things at you to test you mm-hmm. and challenge you and make, help you evolve and grow, but we don't have to work the nine to five, you know, and we can actually have a peaceful life and we don't have to turn to alcohol to numb ourselves because we're stressed. We should be facing that stress. And it's just that robotic way of, of living that we've numbed ourselves from the truth of who we are as free beings who are entitled to live life on our own terms. We're not hurting anyone by doing that. 
so many things you just said are so powerful. So many, I just wrote a whole page of notes of what just came out of your mouth. I love that you just talked about following your own truth and what's right for you and trusting your journey, not what society is doing. And I think a lot of people from my perspective and my journey, it can be hard to detach from that. Oh my God, but all my friends are doing that. and, And it probably goes back to feeling alone and feeling like, you know, you're an outcast, but it makes me delve a bit deeper with this thing going, wow, why have we been conditioned to live this way? That that's they're the questions that I make make me a bit sad. Why are so many of us actually thinking this is the, the way to live? And you know, that survival mentality we're still in that money, you've got to have this to give the future, I've got to work so hard to be successful when really isn't success well, everyone's different with success. I shouldn't say that, but mm. to me, success now is about internal peace and happiness and health and mm. and love and joy. And that can be hard to navigate towards when you've been taught the exact opposite. It's not easy. <laughs> um, you know, and it sounds silly because it sounds so simple when you say it out loud. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to say that. And I loved how you talked about your why and your book and your powerful messages because you've lived it. You've been through it and it's like you have been the guinea pig in your own journey of like, I used to do this and I did that and society didn't like it, but I learned from it and this is what came out of it and you helping others navigate through their path of messy transformation and the emotional chaos and how it is when you suppress yourself. And it's not pleasant, but it's the way through and... It's amazing. It's really, mm. really amazing. I just have one last thing to say on that, um, that I think in 2016 I wrote this blog, which I actually can't find anymore. It's a bit of a pain. But um, it was about um, the self-expression repression and how we're just so repressed in our expression in life. And, you know, yeah, I reckon that's that's a really big one of the really big reasons that people get stuck in their emotions because if you can't express in a happy way, you certainly can't express in an emotional way either. So for me, I was like, I didn't know, like I had big feelings. I didn't know how to express them. And then my life got messy. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that my life got messy not by accident. It was for a reason and I needed to take ownership over that I had so much shame so much shame which crippled me but I knew that also by writing that book I was healing myself and I was healing my relationship with my past self all my past selves and um yeah. yeah and then I was able to then integrate that shame like the shame disappeared I could integrate those personalities and those fragments of myself back into who I am as a whole woman and now I get to go forward like mm. that. But I feel like I'm constantly reclaiming parts of myself from the past. And, yeah, maybe yeah. I'll write another book about that. <laughs> Who knows? Well, you will. I'm sure you'll write some amazing books. Claire is an amazing writer, if I do say so myself. Oh. You'll really love her book. And we'll put details below the podcast of, you know, your website and um, whatever else, um, any links that, you know, to your book and, and everything because you have some really profound messages to share with people. And yeah, I just, I love that you just said too about the shame. And I think a lot of us feel that when we're on this journey of healing and looking at our old patterns and our traumas and how our life got messy and having to take responsibility and accountability because it's not easy. And shame is a really low vibe emotion. It's actually Mm. horrible to feel and transcending that can take a bit of work. It's not fun, but it's, um, yeah, got to go through it to, to get to the other side. And yeah, like you said, it is a constant thing. And I think before this podcast, we spoke about the layers. We don't know how many layers there are. That's the truth of it. And, and that's okay. Like 
I think, you know, being okay, isn't it, with what you're going through is perfect for your journey and there's nothing wrong with you for feeling what you're feeling Mm. in any moment. Yeah, good point. Well, Claire, I really, really enjoyed chatting to you today. I love talking to people who go deep like this and the messages you've shared have been really profound and no doubt people will really benefit from what you have to say and thank you so much. Mm, Thanks, Holly. That was an amazing co-creation. I love those chats.